We have a special treat tonight. Mr. and Miss Groves, if you will make your way to the front. And if our ushers will help them. Thank you, Father. You know, table talk, we we have we have shared some conversations and you know about navigating difficult situations and I always feel like I have to break my neck and I I love this because they're probably they're like out of their comfort zone right make sure your mics are on but I felt led of the Lord as we are moving into the holiday season. You don't want to miss the next few weeks. And and I will tell you that going even into January, Pastor Aaron and I have some visions about Wednesday nights and not just continuing these types of things, but diving deep into the word of God as we continue. But I love making room for some... uh, what a lot of people would say are difficult conversations or, you know, how did you make it? Testimonial moments. And uh, Pastor Aaron said, after you all, somebody, listen, just if I gave you a synopsis of my day, it'd be fun, but I won't. But it did begin with a nice, Pastor Aaron said, we're about to do a table talk and I'm about to do a deep, deep teaching about women preachers. That'll be fun. I got called a messenger of Satan today, praise God. Oh, yeah, it's fun. It's all good. Having said that, tonight we have Jeff and Michelle Groves. Y'all give them a hand. And as the season moving into the Christmas and the new year, I, I know that There is often these navigating, and not just that, when you're in church, when you are in life, you look around at people and you wonder, why don't they uh, suffer like I suffer? (laughs) Why Why are they happy and they've been through tragedy, but I'm still sitting here? And I wanted them to come, and some of you know their story and some of you may not, but I wanted to talk about finding joy after a season of sorrow. Finding joy again after a season of sorrow. And while some of you won't be able to necessarily relate exactly where they have been, all of us have walked through trials. All of us have walked through a difficulty or a season of sorrow. And the Lord said to me at the beginning of this year, and it has come back to me, that just when it looks like things are ending there, I begin again. And while this is completely out of their comfort zone and possibly uncomfortable, I'm going to allow them to share as little or as much of their testimony and their story and asking some questions along the way. Many of you, um, you know Michelle, she has been with us for several years now. How many? Came in 2017. 2017. And has been a part of the worship team. She has um, helped lead our kids in dance and teaching them. I think she's been delivered from that. <laughs> well, Pastor Shay talked me into Oh, she's doing it one more time. <laughs> one more, one more. <laughs> but she really is. She's very gifted in many, many ways. And um, I, I won't get into the totality of her story, but, uh, you know, went through a separation, a divorce, has a daughter, all the all the elements of, you know, a, a, a family death, suicide, in the midst of all of it, that I watched her, even in the midst of it, walk in grace and in love and enjoy. She maybe didn't always feel it, but I always saw it. And then Jeff... Um, when he first came to our church was 2018, 19? 
Yeah, it was actually the end of 17, okay. around Christmas time. Oh, wow. Around Christmas time in 2017, and he and his wife, Tammy, um, attended the church, came to the church, um, a, a very vital part of the ministry, uh, began to be a part of um, visiting the sick, and his wife um, at that time was very, very passionate about Jesus. That's if that's only that when I think of Tammy Groves, I just think about the joy that would consume her when she spoke of Jesus and her love poured out of her. And um, as time would have it, tragedy struck and he became a widower and walking in a season of joy all along the way. Wasn't absent of tears, but he carried the joy of the Lord and this leads us to today. And so I don't, if you want to share anything, Michelle. Um, I took some notes because I could probably, it would probably take an hour or two to tell everything. So I took some notes so I would limit myself to the important stuff. Um, <clears throat> my story actually starts a little before all that. I, probably not a lot of people know that I actually was married twice before I married Jeff. Um, my first marriage, my husband was 16 and a half years older, and um, he had two grown kids, and I wouldn't go out with him because I said, um, we're at very different stages in our life. You're going to want children, or you're, you've got two grown children. I may want children, and that's just never going to work. And he said to me, oh, no, no, I would be willing to have children with you. Um, so we ended up dating. We got serious. We got married. Long story short, I found out later that he had had a vasectomy, and um, we agreed that he would have it reversed, and if that didn't work, we would adopt. So we went through that process, and after two and a half years, found out it wasn't going to work, and I thought we were going to adopt, and he suddenly decided, nope, I don't think I want to do that. Um, so... Uh, that didn't work out, and finally he admitted that he had never wanted children, but he had told me that because he knew that if he didn't, I wouldn't have even went out with him, and he was right. I wouldn't. So um, after that divorce, I desperately wanted a child um, to the point that every time I looked at somebody with a baby or somebody who was pregnant, it literally hurt in my heart. And <clears throat> I remember being in a church service one day, and the Lord asked me, much like the man at the pool of Bethesda. He said, do you want to be whole? And I thought about it for a second, and I realized that I was on purpose holding on to that pain because I was afraid if I let it go that um, I was letting go of that desire. And so um, I realized in that moment that if I held on to that pain, I was going to make the next decisions out of that pain, and I would make some very bad decisions out of that desperation. So I told the Lord, yes, that I wanted to be whole. And after that, that pain went away. I started working in the children's ministry, in the nursery, um, and um, I finally got to a place where I said to the Lord, God, you know the desires of my heart, but if I never have a child, I trust you. I trust you, and I surrender to whatever plan it is that you have for me. So about a year later, I met Chloe's dad, and I prayed very hard about it, asking the Lord if that's what I needed to do, if, if this was the right one, and he said yes. So we got married. <clears throat> we had two miscarriages. Um, so finally, after about two and a half years, my daughter was born, um, and that was joy, but our marriage was rocky very early on. And um, his idea of marriage and mine were very different. Um, he wanted us to live very independent lives, and I wanted um, a partner. I wanted someone who would do things with me. I wanted us to make decisions together. And um, really, it turned out he was more of a roommate than a husband. <clears throat> He had a lot of anger issues, and those were complicated 
with family struggles. Uh, when we got married, I inherited four stepchildren, ages 10 to 18. At one point, three out of the four were in counseling. The youngest, which was our only son, um, had some severe mental illnesses and a drug and alcohol addiction. He overdosed, I think, three times and uh, finally ended up committing suicide at 19. So um, that was just some added struggle onto an already troubled marriage. So our, our marital problems got worse, but I had made up my mind to stay because um, I was not willing to sacrifice my daughter's happiness for mine. So I wanted her to be stable and happy, and I thought if that means I'm miserable, then so be it. I'm not giving up her happiness. And so I was determined, whatever it looked like, I was hanging in there. Um, and then this next part, I'm going to be very careful because of my daughter's sake about what I say. But um, there came a point when I didn't have a choice anymore. Um, he had been hiding some things that I found out about. And it became clear that it wasn't safe for me to stay anymore. Um, it literally was no choice. I, I really had no choice. And so I filed for divorce. Um, we separated in August of 2018. So we had come here in 17, um, separated in 2018. And for the next year, I went through a very difficult divorce. Um, it was probably the hardest year of my life. Um, but God taught me how to war in that season. Um, I spent hours in my prayer room, which was plastered with scriptures like wallpaper all over the walls. Um, I would go in there and I would literally start reading the scriptures as prayer. I would look up at the wall and say, um, God, you said that no weapon formed against me will prosper and any tongue that rises up against me in judgment will be condemned. You said that um, you're greater than any foe that rises up against me. Um, you said that I can confidently trust in you. You said that you watch over the path of the godly. And I just would read them over and over like, like a prayer. Um, and I felt very alone in that season. Um, people would ask me how I was, and God would not let me tell them the whole truth. Um, and later, when I said, God, why did I have to walk through that so alone? And he said, because I didn't want you listening to anyone's voice but mine. And so um, keeping me alone meant that, that I was only hearing from him. I wasn't getting other people's opinions or input. It was just me and God, basically. And um, he was faithful, so we were officially divorced in September of 2019. Um, he provided for my daughter and I and blessed us with a beautiful home. Um, and it literally became a sanctuary to us as we entered the pandemic. Um, and I was just so happy to finally be living in peace, um, spending time with my daughter. And people would ask me, um, do you think you'll ever get married again? And my answer was always, maybe someday, but not today. So I was, I was not interested, was not looking. I was just very content to be where we were. You mentioned feeling alone, and that's something that I hear. I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. And there, there's an interesting scripture that I remember sharing. The Lord gave it to me right before Tammy passed away. But it was when Jesus had heard the news of John the Baptist. And we often wonder how, you know, Jesus, you always say, well, I'm going to be like Jesus. Jesus felt everything that we feel. And I know that's so hard for us to comprehend him being fully God and fully man. But it, he, he handled grief in a way that you and I would handle grief too. And there is a season of being alone for that protection but I love in Matthew 14, when, it, when Jesus heard about John the Baptist's death, because, you know, he, he loved him. 
He departed from there by boat and went to a desert place by himself, a desert place where nobody else was. This is in Matthew 14 and 13. And I thought about this when Jesus was going through a hard season, a hard time, he too wanted to retreat and go to a lonely place. He, he is just like us. And there is a season for an alone place. And if you are in an isolated place, it is because the Lord is trying to be the only voice that you heed to in this season. And, you know, I want to say this to the marriages that are struggling tonight in this room. You're in a few weeks, we're going to hear about, uh, marriage in a different light. And you, you're going to get to the good side in just a moment, but some of you have been walking through a very, very difficult season and you're wondering where this is going to end and where this is going to land. Not all stories have to end like that, but let me help us tonight. It takes two. Are y'all awake? It takes two people to follow in the same path. And when you see two wheels that are going in complete opposite direction, that makes it very difficult to remain. And as she said, there comes a point where there's no choice uh, and, it, and it becomes clear that there's no other choice. And thank God it has turned out very differently. But in this story, I remember the night that Tammy passed away um, and we'll get to that. The Lord, the next day I called Jeff and I shared this with him that there is a season of a lonely place, which a different angle of grief, but still painful, still lonely, still walking it out. And, and some people would say, I would have rather, you know, them be dead. I've heard that people get, you know, it divorces get real ugly and people would say, well, I'd rather, I could have handled death better. I remember my mother saying that. A time or two, you know, and I don't know that that's easy for you to say in the situation you're in. It's easy for us to look at somebody else and throw shade or judge about how they might be walking through a chapter or through a season. But until you have walked through it, which is why these table talks are so important, it's hard for us to know what really has happened and gone through Jesus went to a deserted place to be by himself. He wanted to go be alone. But when the multitudes heard of it, they followed him. And I believe while Michelle was lonely, now she, we went through the pandemic and all of those things. I watched her week after week take her post and take her position. And I want to say this, when you're going through a trial, there is a moment because we care about your soul that you, you might need to sit down for a season. But I believe one of the things that actually keep you, right here we see it. Jesus wanted to go be alone. Let's just read it. When Jesus heard of it, he departed from there by boat, went to a deserted place by himself. He wanted to go be alone. Don't, you know, don't think that he was just... Oh, I'm fine. I don't feel this. No, he, it hurt him. He went to a deserted place to be alone. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from, I can't see that, from the cities. Read, move it on. And when Jesus went out, he saw the great multitude and was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick there. Sometimes you doing what God has called you to do, doing the will of God for your life, is actually a salvation for your mental state. Pastor, I will say about that. I remember there were, in that season, there were days that I would be up on the stage worshiping, and there were a couple of songs in particular during that season. You know, the songs we sing are not happenstance. They, there was a reason that we were on those particular songs. It was Psalms 23 and Defender were the two yeah. songs that, I could barely stand to sing them. We would start singing them and I would hit the floor. Like I could hardly even stand up to sing them, but there was no other place for me, but I needed to be on stage worshiping. I needed to do that because that was for me. That was, that was how I was dealing with it. And I remember 
in 2019, my trial, my, the trial where I was going and testifying and literally spending eight hours was during overflow. And so I was literally in trial during the day with all kinds of hell going on and coming to service that night and taking the stage and worshiping because there was nothing else for me to do but worship. Wow, wow. Don't lose your worship. Don't lose, don't lose sight. And that's what I think purposefully God sent the multitude to find Jesus. <laughs> like, okay, he's going to go be alone, but we ain't going to let him stay there. And when Jesus saw them, he then had compassion because it is crucial to not be so inward inflecting that we miss the ministry that's meant to go out of it, which leads me to Jeff. Now I want you to share just a little bit about where, what happened and how you got here today. A little bit of, a little bit of backstory is, you know, we, I was 19, she was 20 when we got married. So we were married 34 years. 34 years to be with somebody and and to partnership with and um which was all of our life pretty much and uh so we did ministry together church together we did we did a lot together so when you know when she passed that was pretty devastating because that you know she was my she was my best friend. So, um, but I guess it was July during overflow. Ju- yeah, July 24th, I believe, during overflow, Pastor. Of 2021. Yeah, 21. Uh, Greg DeBreeze was here. And <clears throat> so this was, this was nine days before she passed. And I was right over there when he comes. He's literally talking to somebody over here, and he heads. He just stops and heads over to me, and he starts prophesying, and he starts uh, telling me how my foundation was going to get rebuilt. And it messed me up really bad when I left that night because I thought, "Is there something, Lord? Is there something wrong with my foundation?" And but I know a lot of people were here and, you know, he talked about the wagon, me pulling the wagon and how it was, yeah, and how it was going to be hard to pull. And then, but it would get easier as it went. And, and he prophesied a lot of things that when I went back and looked, it was, I didn't understand it right then. But nine days later, it all come to pass. I knew everything he said. And and I remembered everything, and and but before those nine days, I, I had I woke up during the night, and there were two angels by my door, and and she wasn't in the room with me, she was off in the the living room, but they they were by my my by door, and I looked I looked at them, and it was pretty amazing because I if. It, they were like right here, and if I was looking over here, I could see them. But if I looked directly at them, it was like they disappeared. I could see through them, you know. But if I looked over here out of my peripheral vision, I seen them pretty clearly. And and they, one of them spoke and said, uh, "We've heard, and we're here." And I and I literally asked them, "Why are you here?" And one said, but we're here to comfort you. And the other one spoke too and said, we've heard and we're here and we're here to comfort you. And they were, they were gone. And I, I told you the following Sunday about that. And I didn't understand. I'm like, what are they comforting me for? But this was all transpired within those nine days. And uh, so I didn't under just didn't understand, especially about my foundation, you know. But it, but it, but all of that come to pass. And I remember when, and a little backstory on her too. And I guess it was in February of twenty one. Well, 
Let me back up to 20. We both had COVID in 20 in December, and it rolled over into January. And, you know, she had had open-heart surgery when she was 40 years old. And so we knew she had some issues there. But in 20, when COVID hit, uh, when she got COVID, we both got COVID, and she she had a hard time recovering from it, and she actually never did. But in February, I guess it was, uh, her ankle started swelling and stuff of that nature happened, and we went to the doctor and wound up going to the cardiologist, and and uh, they run all these tests on her, and they said, well, you don't have any blockages, but you have congestive heart failure and your heart's at 35%. Uh, and that's pretty devastating news at that point. Uh, that was in February. Of course, we, I think we, we talked to pastors about it, that too. And, uh, but, you know, the doctor said, you know, there's nothing we can do. We just, we see this with the COVID if you already got heart disease, you know, the COVID wants to attach, attach to it and inf cause inflammation, which causes you to have an enlarged heart, which makes things worse. But he says, we're, you know, hopeful that it'll strengthen back. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, so um, we, you know, I, I've known people who live years with, Congestive heart failure, I, I just didn't expect it to be, you know, six months later uh, after that diagnosis. But uh, I remember being at the hospital that night, and pastors were there, and uh, Natasha, and then Natasha was there, and we was prayed, and and we got like a, uh, just like a comfort yeah. fell on the on it and it was you know the doctor come in and said that they got her stable and and uh, uh, they was going to move her to Skyline so uh, everybody went home and we, we thought everything was good and um, but literally as I drive to Skyline when they transferred her there I couldn't go in to see her and I didn't know why I, I was there like three hours and nobody, or two hours and nobody ever came to me or anything. And I'm like, what's going on? So the doctor finally comes out to the waiting room and uh, he says, I, I need to see you. I'm like, okay. So he says, you need to come with me. He says, we've done CPR on her 12 times and she keeps, she keeps coming back, but She's, she's only lasting for three or four minutes, five minutes max. So you need to say your goodbyes to her. So as I do that, I go back there, and of course I'm just overwhelmed with everything. And, you know, when I walk in the room, they're doing CPR on her again. And the doctor's like, we got her heart beat back, but it's really faint. And they said her heart just not strong enough to, stay beating and uh, so they they leave the room leave me there I, of course I call pastors and they're, they're asleep and I call my my kids and nobody answers it's what three and two in the morning and nobody answers and so I'm there I felt really alone at that point and as I began to pray for and ask God to you know, not, not to uh, take her from me, and and the healer. You know, I was. I, I fell back on the scriptures. God, you you said this. You know, miracle signs and wonders follows those that believe, and I believe. Yeah. I've seen it, seen the miracles happen, and as I began to pray for, it was like the Lord stopped me probably a minute into prayer and, and and it's like you're praying wrong. Wow. 
And then he took me, sort of took me back to the scripture when, you know, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's there and, and you're right, he hurt. He didn't want to go through. He did not. He didn't want to go through what he was fixing to go through. And the prayer he wanted me to pray was the same that Jesus prayed. God, let this cup pass. Mm -hmm. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. And as I prayed that prayer, but it, I was overwhelmed too because I remember us talking, me and her talking on numerous occasions. And she told me, if she told me once, she told me 10 times, do not pray me back to life. <laughs> she do not pray me back to life. I do not want to come back. And, uh, and all of that kind of flooded over me, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, she got what she wanted. She got what she wanted. She, she got her ultimate healing. But not only that, she got kind of like her wish list of things she wanted. She wanted to go fast. That was one of the things she said she wanted, and she did. She didn't, and she didn't want to suffer. She didn't suffer. Once, once I started CPR on her, she she never recovered. She never, she never woke up. I never, never got to talk to her again. I mean, as far as her talking back to me, but I, as I prayed that prayer. There, as I was holding her hand, the Lord said, do you trust me? Ooh. And I said, you know I do, Lord. No matter what I see, I trust you. And, you know, the, I think it's in Corinthians, the second Corinthians, is it 17, chapter 4? I think it's way down in, I think it's verse 17. It talks about, huh? It talks about trouble will come. You're going to encounter trouble, and you're going to see it, but don't focus on, yeah. on it because it's temporary. Focus your eyes on the things you can't see, the eternal. And when we take our eyes off of the what's going on right now, and we can look at the big picture down the road. Because that's what we're laying our treasure up for. Mm -hmm. She got what she wanted. She, sure did. she got exactly what she wanted. And I and I was like, Lord, you 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 know, you, you healed Dina. Yeah. You healed this one over here, and I see this and I see that. And it's like that's not what she wanted. Ooh. It's not what she wanted. She wanted to be with Jesus. She sure did. She wanted to be there. Because she always talked about getting up in his lap. She did. That's why she, that's all she talked about. I just want to be there at his feet and get up in his lap and love on Jesus. And that's and I know that's what she I know that's what she did when she got there. I I remember her saying that too. When I see Jesus, because she had more faith than anybody in this room, I promise you. She prayed bold, crazy prayers, would march in hospital rooms and literally pray pray the dead to life again. And so what he said is so powerful because I remember I struggled with that. And I think, you know, when you finally, somebody got through to Aaron, I don't know, Paula or Brian, somebody called and um, he, I think he came to the hospital maybe at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I remember setting up in the bed going, what? Because we just, we have seen the dead raised together. She's the one who came to say, Pastor Amanda, there is a woman who, she, she comes to the stage. Like we, we had warred many things in the spirit, but he just said a mouthful. She, it's what her, her will and God's will collided. Her will was to be with him and he, his will is to be with us in the end. Our ultimate goal is to not just live here. We have a, we have a book written about us in heaven. It's true. When we read the scripture, we see that. 
David says it, Moses says it, the days that are written for my life. There are books written about you in heaven. And ultimately, when you come to earth, it's not just so you can live out your will. He has a will written out for you. And that's why when you stand before him, he'll either say, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, that good and faithful servant. Because he's going to pull out the books and say, you came into alignment with what I wrote and sent you to do. And there is a number of days that we have written. And when those fulfillment of time has come, nobody can pray you back. And there is an enemy who comes to steal the number of days that are written. But our ultimate goal is to get there. Our ultimate goal is to do the will of our Father and stand before him or crawl in his lap, however it might be, and for him to say, well done, well done. And so I remember that process and those days and just, you know, our church had literally been in a high in June, seeing the dead rays come out of overflow. I remember the very last day of overflow, you guys come into the office and you shared about um, the heart condition and you were struggling with the prophecy and all of the things. And when we got the call, it, it was just shocking. And life will do that. Life has a way of taking <gasps> and making you go, wait a minute, what's happening? But you have to stand on the firm foundation and allow the Lord to make you steady in him through the process. And so I, I we want to go through, because some of, some of them didn't know that side of the story and they now know you as Jeff and Michelle. And I wanted to ask you to share this and both of you can share briefly on it and the keyboard can come. I want you to share at what point. Now I know where you were because you had a dream, right? At what point your heart was ready to love again? Talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Let him, let him. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure how to answer that. I just remember, you know, I guess it was maybe a few months after she had gone, and I remember just talking to the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, I, you know, I'm at that at that point, I'm 54 years old, and I'm like, I'm just. I loved her with all my heart, but I, I didn't want to be married again. I, I was like, you know what? I'm, I, I felt like I didn't have anything to give anymore uh, just because of, you know, I'd give 34 years to that marriage and nobody could replace her, uh, didn't want anybody to replace her. It was, just a, it was just a part of me there that was like, God, you did the, you know, this is, this is your plan you know, it goes back to uh, yeah, Jeremiah, what, uh, 29, 11. God knows the plan. I'm like, God, you have a plan for me still. You're, you're not up there wondering what's going on. And, and I knew he still had a plan. I just didn't see myself married again. Uh, and I think I, I told you that too. I, I'm just like, mm, no. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It was great. But it was just a thought of starting over, and, and all of that. I just, I didn't want to be a I didn't want a part of that. So I was perfectly content, and I think that's I think that's the big thing is you have to be perfectly content with where you're at. Wow. But before you can move wow. forward, um, and I was content with that. I'm like, Lord, I'm I'm perfectly good. Just me and you. You know, I had my dad living with me at the time, and that was a struggle. Uh, I love your dad. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. But, uh, you know, I moved dad in with me, and uh, like I said, that, that became bad. But uh, I'm moving on from that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was, I'm like, Lord, but there come a point to where, you know, she was my, Tammy was my best friend. So I didn't have any, 
I mean, I got friends, but I didn't have any best friends. Yeah. Because I just just didn't. Um, didn't need it. Didn't need it. Yeah. Uh, I was perfectly content with that. And but there was a point. I, I I remember telling the Lord, I'm like, Lord, you know, I don't I don't want a I don't want a wife. I don't want nothing like that. But it'd be nice to have just somebody that I can communicate with and and uh, you know share stuff with or talk to or you know have lunch with or something. And uh, at that point, I, I remember I remember I was sitting over there and during oh, uh, but I was sitting over there and and I remember seeing Michelle up on stage and and it was like the Lord said she'll be a good friend to you and I'm like huh okay. <laughs> He's like, I like the way you're thinking, Lord. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And, okay. and and I never, I didn't pursue that. I, w- I was like, mm, okay, but I wasn't going to pursue that. And, uh, but, but he kept reminding me of it. And, and it come to a point, you know, to where it was like, he kept putting us together. He kept mm. putting us to talk to each other. And uh, so that's. And I think kind of leading up to that, because we started talking um, probably around the holidays that year. Um, I had gone, you know, I'd been divorced since 2019 and never went on dating apps, had no interest, was just like, um, people would say to me, you know, who, what do you, and I was like, if the Lord wants me to have somebody, he can move them here. I've seen him move people here to come to this church. I'm, I'm not anxious when he's ready. He'll send us and I'm perfectly fine where I am until he does. And so, um, as around July, um, right before he lost his wife that I had, (laughs) I had somebody message me on, uh, Instagram and I was completely clueless that he was sliding in my DMs is what they call it. I had no idea. Um, but once I recognized, I was like, oh, oh, okay. So I started, I guess it opened my head to go, well, and he was somebody who I had met at church because I'd always said, unless I've met him at church, they don't have a shot. And so I had met him and I was like, okay, all right, Lord, I guess I'll give him a chance. So we talked a couple times, never asked me out. Um, but it got me to thinking. And I was like, Lord, I've got some pretty high standards. And I was like, you know, I, I, I got, I got some print. And he was like, well, write them down. Wow. And I thought, okay. He said, write them down, make a list. So I did. And that was in July. And, um, then he lost his wife in August. And I remember the day after she, her funeral was on a Saturday and on Sunday morning, he was at church and I passed by him and I said, I didn't expect to see you here today. And he said, where else would I be? Where else would I be? That's what he said. And um, that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So a couple months later, we kind of sat near sections. And I looked over and saw him worshiping. And I said, Lord, that's a good man. (laughs) I'd be open to that when he's ready. Mm. And that was all I said. And um, we'd say hello to each other. We'd small talk a little bit. Um, And we started talking a little bit more around the holidays. And it was just one thing after another started confirming and he finally asked me out in March. Um, so we went on our first date in March and, um, I remember thinking, you know, it didn't take long that I, I started realizing I, you know, this is, this is going somewhere. And I remember having a little bit of a panic because I was like, wait a minute, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like my daughter and I are very comfortable where we are. I was like, we are comfortable. Things are good. I don't know if we want to invite somebody else into our lives. I, I don't know, Lord. And I, I panicked a little bit and we were standing on stage. I'm telling you, like you said, never leaving my post had a purpose. And we were singing a song called make room. And the Lord said, make room. Wow. And I said, okay. Wow. And so, um, so I, I think that kind of opened me up to go, all right, I can make room. And, and you know, it kind of went from there. And, and we got confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that that was the path that the Lord had for us. I think it's so key that both of you, you waited on the Lord. 
You waited on the Lord to bring the fulfillment of time. You didn't try to rush anything. You weren't, God, if you don't give me this, I'm, I'm not going to be able to survive. And I think that's key in this season in every single area. Now, I'm going to say this because I just I felt it. Don't be looking around this room wondering where your next spouse is. <laughs> no. Because as long as Janice, you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's here, I mean, why not, right? But what I know is when you wait on the Lord and you allow the Lord to take the broken pieces of your life, you allow him to take the hurtful days, the, the sorrow. He has a way of bringing joy and bringing you comfort. We've heard and we're here. And he gives us warnings. If we will pay attention he gives us provisions before we need it. That's why when you recall the prophecy, that's we heard about the power of worship getting you through a hard day. And we hear about a prophecy that carried him through a moment, not even understanding it. You won't always understand what God's doing in the moment he's doing it. And so if you are in this room and you have just been in this, oh, it's not even just... Maybe your marriage currently needs a healing. Maybe your home needs the peace and, and the angels of the Lord to come and bring comfort in that space. Maybe you are walking through the fiery trial of your life and you need the song of the Lord to come at night to carry you. I want us to stand to our feet tonight and they're going to pray. Maybe you're a young adult and I hear this all the time. Some of those lists are unrealistic and we'll talk about that another day. Maybe hers wasn't, obviously. Mine was very limited. Attainable. And it was, the bulk of it was spiritual. It was because I said to myself, the rest of it won't matter. If I have wow. the spiritual stuff, everything else lines. I mean, come on. In fact, Mike, I'll tell you what was on the list. Oh, read the list. I have it. We actually were talking about this in staff the other day. We were actually discussing our young adults, and I love you so much. But some of those lists are They're just unrealistic. I love you, but you probably ain't gonna marry a millionaire. That, so, so here's what were my priorities. <laughs> These were my priorities, it, and it had nothing like that. Okay. So my priorities were I wanted someone who was spirit-filled, spirit-led, mm. on fire, mm. prayerful in all things, seeking God in all he does, ministry-minded, preferably a worshiper who worships with all his heart, someone who is, and please don't take this wrong, it was not meant to be um, arrogant, but someone who is equal to me or higher than me spiritually who will encourage me and pull me up to higher levels rather than me trying to pull him up. Because, because I had walked your, through that. Yes. I had been there where I was the one trying to get, and I didn't want that. ahead of the home. I wanted a you priest, wanted, yeah, and I had never had one. And I said, uh, I wanted someone I can truly trust to be a spiritual leader, someone who's going to, um, well, I'll leave that one out. It had to do with my daughter, so I left that one out. Um, but then I literally said all other criteria pale in comparison to the spiritual. If I have the spiritual, the other stuff will typically fall in line and create a man who knows how to love and treat a wife, who will do his part to keep the marriage working and will listen to the voice of God and heed conviction when necessary. And the only other things on my list besides the spiritual was I wanted someone with a good job who was a hard worker making at least decent money. <laughs> And some sort of chemistry. Okay. So some sort, some sort of chemistry. Important. So, I mean, it was very limited in wow. what I was looking for. Um, but it was postured from the right place and the right heart. Yeah. Listen, can we just lift up our hands? Some of you, maybe you need, if your spouse is here, maybe you need to grab their hand. If they're not, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for your husbands and husbands. Pray for your wives. Because let me tell you something, it matters. And you, you may say, I don't, I don't have anybody. I don't want anybody. That's fine. Be content where you are. Be content. 
And there's some people that's your lot in life and that's okay. But if you have a desire, just lift up your hands and God, I need you to be all to me that I need. And then when somebody else comes along, it's an added to. It's an added to. And so Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the testimony where seasons of different loss, different grief, heartache, pain, walking through fiery trials, heating lonely nights in empty spaces. God, I thank you that you are faithful in it all. Thank you for the truth of your word that our perspective is to be set and focused in you. Father, that our hearts would be positioned and content in you where we are, even in the lonely place, even in uh, the, the, the position space, even in our prayer closet, even on the platform. God, in heartache and lost standing in a hospital room over the one you've spent your whole life with or sitting in a courtroom fighting with the one you thought you would be with forever. Father, whatever place the people of God have found themselves tonight, some of the people who say, well, my foundation with my marriage started out wrong, so can God really bless it? I break the lie of the enemy. I don't know who that's for, but I just felt it pop up in my spirit. I break the lie of the enemy. If you will give God your home, God will create a miracle in that space. If you will make room for him, he can take the ugly words. He can take the divisiveness. If you're moving towards God, both of you, he can do a miracle. It does not have have to end in divorce should one of you, uh, if both of you choose to get to him. I just speak restoration over this room. I speak wholeness in lives. Thank you, Father, for the broken pieces of life. Thank you for fresh starts. Thank you for the opportunity to rebuild broken foundations. Thank you for the strength, God, to pull wagons. And what Jeff didn't say is the dream that he had right before it. I think it was me coming and handing you flowers, right? Tell the dream. Yeah. He don't even remember it. I, yeah, I do remember. I, re, I remember when. We had already started dating. Oh Yeah, I remember when we, I, I, it was the first time we went out. I, I, I felt like I was cheating on Tammy. Of course. Uh, I mean, it literally felt that way. I felt like I was doing something wrong. And I, I mean, I really struggled with that. And, uh, but I was like, I gotta have some sort of, some sort of closure, some sort of release. And I remember having a dream and uh, this particular dream, I, I was sitting at a, at a table like a kitchen table had my kind of my back to the wall and and I remember I saw Pastor Amanda she had a like a uh, a vase of flowers they were white like white flowers but they weren't bloomed they were still together the the the, the flower the buds were still together and uh, they haven't they, they haven't bloomed yet and they were white and she brought them over to me and she said, Jeff, look at these flowers. And she hands them to me, and I look at them, and I said, they're beautiful. And I hand them back to her, and as soon as she she smiles, and as soon as she walks, as soon as she turns to walk away, Tammy's behind her. And, and Tammy never says a word to me. She just puts her head on my chest like she's listening to my heartbeat. And... And it was like she let me go. She hugged me and listened to my heartbeat for a few seconds. And then she smiled at me and she was gone. And, and, and that was to me almost a release. She like, she let me go. She gave me permission she to gave move. Me permission. I remember you called, you called me and pastor and you told me the dream before you told me what your you said, what do, what do you think this means? <laughs> I said, Jeff, are you about to marry, get married? He's like, I think so, Pastor. <laughs> Listen.
listen, God is so good. Even That's what we're trying to tell you. Even in the heartbreak, in letting go of what was and stepping into the new, He makes all things new. He makes all things new in our life. And so I want you all to just pray a blessing over them where at whatever season they're in, the contentment, the joy, the victory is really in Jesus. Even in the heartbreak, walking through difficult things, God has a purpose even in those broken seasons once you pray over them. Lord, I pray over your people. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling, Lord, who want to trust you, who maybe even say that they trust you. But God, until we can fully surrender to whatever your plan might be, whether it includes what we're asking for or it doesn't, we can't say we truly trust you. So God, I pray, Lord, for your people that they would be able to be content wherever they are right now to look for the good around them not to focus on what they don't have or what struggle is going on but god i pray lord that you help them lord to truly trust and know that your plans are always better whatever it is whatever we think we want your plan is always better so god i pray god that you would strengthen the hearts the resolve to truly trust you to put our lives in your hands and to know you have a plan for a future and a hope and sometimes that plan doesn't look like what we think it's going to look like but you are good and you always want good for us god so i pray lord that they would not forget that god i pray that your people would be able to fix their eyes on you to stand their ground in trusting and believing that you have good for them yes lord i just thank you lord for your plans lord you said the steps of the righteous lord are ordered Lord, and sometimes those steps are rough. They're, they're mountainous. They, they can be, they can look. If we fix our eyes on what we see, it can look scary. Lord, but we know, Lord, that no weapon formed against us a prosper. Lord, we know, Lord, that if we trust you, Lord, you're going to see us through said you'd never leave us or forsake us God. Lord and we thank you Lord for your promises Lord because if it wasn't for your promises I'd have been a mess I'd have been a mess Lord but I thank you Lord Lord I just pray Lord that we can look at your promises even when things look bad even when tragedy happens God I just pray, Lord, that we trust, Lord, that you got us, Lord, because you are, you're everything. Lord, and I just thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, blessings over your people. Lord, I just pray strength, Lord, and anyone that is lonely, Lord, and has gone through anything like we have. God, I just pray strength over them. Lord, but I also pray, Lord, that they will come to a place, Lord, that they trust you with all their heart. Lord, that they look to you, Lord, when they're lonely. And Lord, that they can be content, God, until, until, God, you bring victory, Lord, back into their life, Lord, you rebuild, God, what looks devastating, God, Lord, and even when the foundation, Lord, looks destroyed, God, you are still the builder, and you, Lord, you're still the finisher of our faith, God, you're still building, and you're still, like the song, you're still working on me, God, if Help us not to see, Lord, as it says in Corinthians, the trouble that we may face, God. But, Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on the things we can't see. 
Lord as, as Tammy did. She, she saw what she wanted. And it did come into agreement, God, with your plan. God, and that gives me joy. That gives me peace. God, and that helps to move on. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord, in our church, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that what has been spoken tonight, Lord, will touch hearts. God will maybe help in some kind of way. Lord, and I give you praise and honor for that, Lord. Just thank you in Jesus' name.